G'day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast. I hope uh, I hope you've had a good day, and I hope you got yesterday's episode as well. Uh, just sharing a bit of stuff going on there, and uh, hopefully, you know, giving you guys the I don't know. Just hopefully, I get to give you something in that. Anyway, after being all chirpy and chummy yesterday, I got up this morning and uh, my chronic fatigue syndrome just belted me like a bat out of hell. And um, yeah, set, uh, I laid down to do some breath work because often I'll do that when I feel the fatigue start to kick in in the hope that I can ease it a little bit. I don't know if it has any effect or not at this point. But I uh, laid down, set my alarm on my telephone just in case I fall asleep because often I, when, I, when the fatigue hits, I do and uh, put it next to my head. Did my breath work, fell asleep, and woke up at 3 p.m. Now, I set my alarm for one hour after I started my breath work. The alarm was next to my head. I slept through it. I had four missed calls that were not on silent that I slept through. My body was just claiming back something that it needed, apparently. And uh, as much as it sort of knocked my day around a bit, um, I, I have to listen to my body on those sorts of things and you know, I tried not to listen to it, to be fair, by setting alarms and whatnot, but it just, it took what it wanted. And I've got to say that I don't feel too bad this afternoon. And I think it's because the second that it hit, I instantly, basically it hit, like usually it takes about half an hour to come on, right? You know, within half an hour, I go from being normal to being absolutely just belted. It doesn't happen very often. I'm pretty good at managing it. But today it was the space of about 10 minutes. It happened so quickly. So I'm hopeful that giving my body that rest really, really early on in the fatigue bout allows me to uh, bounce back from it even faster. But um, aside from that, I came in this afternoon to the office to do a scan, to do you know bits and pieces because I felt fine. Uh, I knew I wasn't going to you know, have that much that I could do. However, I wanted to get in and get a few things done while I felt good. And I went through some of the trades that uh, I've taken as I've come back from a break. Now I've taken a Christmas break the last three years. So Trader Cobb was uh, started in December of 2017. And during that period, I didn't take a break. I was, you know, starting a business. But at the uh, 18, 19, I took, I think I took about a week where I didn't have to do anything, but I was, I was away in Noosa and I was still doing content. So I came back in and, you know, commentated that re-entry to the market through my membership in my Slack group for those that have done the course. And um, I always ease my way back in. I reduce my risk uh, and I look for absolute standout trades, trades that if they go against me and I make a loss, then, you know, it, it doesn't affect me in any way, shape or form. And whilst some listeners that haven't been through my educational course and program and, you know, followed much of what I do on YouTube and across the market, sorry, across the socials, um, you might be thinking, well, hang on, you, what I understand is you've got a checklist system. So shouldn't every trade be like that? And, and I, as much as I, I, I do suggest that, yes, you are on the right track with that, there's something called experience. The checklists that I have work very, very well, but you've got to remember that there's nothing that is going to um, – uh, make up for time at the screen. And that's what I was taught from my mentors. There is nothing that makes up for time at the screen. You can read as many books as you like. Uh, you can listen to as many podcasts as you like. But if you have got time at the screen, and this is the difference, okay? Time at the screen doesn't just mean looking at charts all the time. It means looking at charts with a plan. These checklists bring that plan. 
And these checklists were created by me well over a decade ago now. This is my 19th year of trading. I turned 38 in, what is it, 12 days, the 15th of February. 19 years I've been doing this. <laughs> it, uh, you know, it it does... <laughs> It does make me sort of like I've never really, apart from breathing, I haven't really done or well, breathing and fishing. I haven't really done anything for nineteen years, so it's it it still blows my mind when I say that. But the the experience that I have, I, the most important thing for me to re-enter the market is, is is getting myself or the objective, sorry, is getting myself back to that place where I feel absolute confidence in my ability, and my risk is now at full one percent per trade. Now I always start the year with minimal risk. And I'm looking for the absolute best of the best trades. Now, you might be thinking, well, don't you always look for the best of the best trades? Yes, to a certain extent, I do. They are the easy ones to take. However, when I am in the flow of the market, when I am producing consistent results, you know, week in, week out, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, don't forget, I'm looking at charts five, six days a week. I'm not just looking at them. I'm doing my live trading floor. So people are watching me do scans. I'm, I'm talking about the market. I'm commentating the market. I am heavily involved in the market. So when you do get into that zone and you get into that role and you've, you know, you've built yourself to that position where you do have that additional confidence, sure, I will take some trades that may not be as stand out as the ones that start my year off. And again, that comes with experience, being in the flow and all that sort of stuff. So for me to start the year off with absolutely flawless trades has always been a, a big thing for me. And it's not always the easiest thing to do because after a break, quite often we find ourselves quite enthusiastic about re-entering, uh, as I was. And this year for me, uh, above, above the other year, I mean, don't forget, I've been doing this, I've been re-entering the market the same way for well over a decade. Now, that was before crypto, but I'm talking specifically to crypto and specifically to this year. This year, the market's been, I mean, the daily downturns have been there, but it's been a little bit, it's been fairly trying. The higher timeframes have kind of been where the activity's been. But we've also had some fairly significant support levels around that I wasn't too confident to short into. So, it, you know, broke one of my rules, so I didn't take it. Those trades went on to run very well, like Ethereum, Bitcoin, and the cradle zone on the daily. But because they didn't fit my rules, uh, I didn't take them. So... I've, I've got back here in the market with a couple of shorts. Uh, I, I had BAT. I'm still short BAT. It hasn't hit one-to-one, -one, BAT daily cradle, uh, but a very, very good trade that I'm very confident in. Engine was a trade that I got short in yesterday, an absolute standout on the daily cradle. That has already hit one-to-one. -one. Um, there is Helium, which was a support, like a Bitcoin breakout type trade. Now, I didn't raise orders on that. I did not end up taking that trade. It triggered at 11 p.m. last night. But again, it's, it's, it's me and my eyes in the market at the right place, finding the right things that are moving in the right direction. And the other one is Luna, which was the four-hour play from back uh, 29th of January. I think that might have been my first trade back, 29th. Oh, both Bat and Luna were on the same day. Uh, and it went on to hit one-to-one. -one. Uh, it, it did come back to stop me out. I did not take further profits because I didn't have a lower high. But it ended up being a break-even trade. So when when I look at the actual numbers and the profits, or you know what the actual upside on these trades are, it's it's very 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 minimal. So what is it that's made me very satisfied and very proud? It's not the money. You've got to remember as a trader, the money will come if you do the right thing. 
Okay, there will be periods where you do the right thing and the money doesn't come as well. But if you stick to the plan, if you stick to the probabilities that these strategies have, or perhaps your own strategies, if you know that what the probabilities are and you have enough experience in the markets and you know time underneath you that you've you've done well, then you just don't change things. You know that okay, you know you flip a coin a hundred times. There's probably going to be a period of time where it lands on tails eight times. It doesn't mean that the probability is working against you. It's still a fifty-fifty. You know what it's going to be, and and that's what I do with markets and. This year is I'm particularly proud, not because of any any major profit objectives, because I don't really trade with the idea of profit when I start a year or during or throughout the year. I do my reports on a, on a monthly and a quarterly basis to see where I'm at. But I was particularly proud this year because, you know, I, I came back. Uh, my my extension of leave was longer than I thought because my um, my the mother to my children had COVID. Uh, I also got back and instantly got a cold. So I've had a lot of things thrown at me, but I've managed to be able to still navigate through that with a very simple steely resolve, which is take the best trades, trade when you feel good and just, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever's happening in life doesn't really matter because the market's there and you make every decision in that zone. So I'm feeling really, really good. The profit, not a great deal, but the, the way that I've re-entered this market, the results that, or sorry, the, 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 um, charts that I've been pointing out and the outcomes of these moves. And don't forget my objective is just simply to hit one-to-one. So that's a minimization of risk. That is the number one objective. Everything after that is gravy. Um, I just feel really proud. I feel really, really proud. And I feel proud for two reasons. One, I've done it again. Uh, and two, it just it just really made me feel like, you know, I've, I've had people throw all sorts of things my way and say negative things about me online and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, I've been called an educator, not a trader. And that kind of stings a bit because it's like, well, I am trading. I'm doing it every day. Everyone in my community is seeing it. Like, it just feels really, I just got a huge power grab for the ability to have commentated the whole way through it, done it again, shown it, and, and proven that this is what I do. I don't just sell a course that's got strategies. I actually show you how I am using them. So I'm feeling pretty good about things. I'm feeling pretty good. I know it's a bit of a ramble to start off with, but, um, you know, sometimes when you've done well and you feel proud, there's no reason to hold back. You should pat yourself on the back, and I'm bloody well doing it right now. <laughs> All right, so Bitcoin, 36,936. It's flat in the day. It had a fairly good sell-off yesterday, down 4.64%. I'm not all that surprised, to be honest with you, as it is in the cradle zone on the daily and the two-day. There's 17 hours to go until that two-day cradle is set as being bearish. Still a long way to go to see if there's an opportunity there. But again, the you know, aside from the daily chart, Bitcoin on any other time frame has been pretty woeful. On Ethereum, it's down a percent today, back in that cradle zone on that daily. It hasn't broken down to trigger that cradle trade. The candle's a little bit large for my liking, but the two-day does look quite good. We're at $2,652 on Ethereum. And again, those mid time frames. the four hours still got that trend there, that uptrend. It's just a real slow one. The eight hours got a trend there as well. And if it were to push higher from here and push above the high of 28.18, we would see a continuation of this uptrend. But again, like I say, uh, it's the daily charts that have been taking control of late. And I'll be keeping myself held back a little bit now that I've got a couple of trades on. Um, and just seeing how it unfolds. XRP is up half a percent at 60 cents on the dingling. It closed down 4.45 yesterday and continues to be a side winder grinder on the daily. No clear pullback. The moving averages have caught up to price. 
but price hasn't pulled back. Dots down 1.6%. Yesterday, closing down 4%. $18.45 is where you'll buy or sell dot. And again, the mids are very ugly. Doge sold off yesterday 3.7%, currently up 0.8 at 13.8 cents. Four hour at any other time frame, including the daily, is just a rat. Well, what is a rat? Uh, that stands for rapid antigen tests here in Australia. I should say it's a, what should I say? Doge is a shit chart. How about that? <laughs> just just cut to the chase. Uh, on the Binance, it's, it's up one point, sorry, point one of a percent at three sixty seven and sixty three cents after closing down four and a half percent yesterday. Another one that didn't pull back sharply; it just ground its way back into those averages, and that daily trend is still looking fairly strong. Cardano is a dollar and three, still holding that dollar mark up one percent today. I tell you what, if we see that dollar break, I don't know, man. Like dollar's been a really like it, the thing is, is that. The longer a level holds, the more people will notice it. The more people notice it, the more the, the more um, activity can occur around that level. Now, until it breaks, that's for both sides. You know, the, the $1 mark could be a point at which we see Cardano bounce hard, like it has done many times in the past, uh, especially last year. It could also be a point that if it breaks, it sells off really hard because the $1 mark was the last sort of bastion of hope. I'm still waiting to see what goes on there with Cardano, but definitely around that dollar, very interesting time. Solana today is down 3.5% after being down 7.3% yesterday. Don't forget, however, the day before on the 1st of Feb, it was up 10.5%. The day before that, 6.7%. So as the saying goes, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Well, the bigger the move was Solana, and the harder the fall has also been Solana. We now have a two-day bearish candle in the cradle zone. Waiting to see how that closes in the next 17 hours. There's also a bearish candle on the daily, although not fulfilling my rules for a short trade. We're at $98.39 after being up through 100 yesterday. AVAX is at $67.25, uh, down 0.8. It failed to push up through that $73.70 mark. It's sold off. The two-day also uh, a very real possibility for a short trade tomorrow we will have to wait and see 67.25 on the lunar it's up 1.29 percent at 48 dollars and 19 cents the daily yesterday closing down 8.9 percent just after it stopped me out of my position um at a break even so the market look again you know the market is still a bit unsettled the daily time frame seem to be the ones that have the clout and whilst they do, well, the daily and the two-day are going to be where I'm focusing my attention. I'll also go lower time frames and see if I've got some breakout levels or cyclicity. The main thing about this is that I'm really stoked. I have taken my time. I've followed my rules. I've done my thing. And guess what? Cobber's back, baby. A few nice trades. I'm feeling confident. Start to ramp up that risk again. Start to focus, or continue to focus, I should say, and make sure that this year's an absolute belter because if the market falls... I can make a shit ton. If the market rises, I can make a double shit ton, a metric shit ton. And I hope you're the same. If you want to find out more, go to tradercob.com. Other than that, take it easy. Speak to you soon. Bye for now.